0: friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back or enjoy your drive and let's get authentic, real and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. And I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In episode 26, Sasha interviews Abby Sirich. Abby is a speech professor and voice coach at the University of Nebraska Omaha. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilcutt. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm super excited to have an amazing guest today. Abby Sirik. She is a voice coach and a speech professor at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, and she has helped me prepare for a recent TED Talk. And she's just an amazing teacher and instructor and really an empowerer of women. So I asked her to come on the show today and to teach us, and I'm super excited to have her here. And first, I'm going to answer a question. This is from Dr. W. She writes and says, I see that the brave Enough Conference is coming up in September. I also see that there's a community of women that are already attending the conference and I'm quite nervous about attending not knowing a soul. Will this be okay and will I fit in? That is such a vulnerable and authentic question and that's why I chose to read this question. I love this question because I think that what you will find is that there are probably 100 or 200 other women out there listening, or maybe even more, that are thinking the same thing. So the Brave Enough Women's CME Conference is going to be held in Scottsdale September 12th through the 15th. The purpose of this conference is community. It's honestly like no other CME conference for women physicians that you will find. And even though it's a CME conference for women physicians, we have lawyers attending, we have business women attending, and we're really opening up the doors this year. And it's called Belong. That's our theme. And so I want to answer this very honest listener today and tell her that yes, you will totally fit in. Um, we have the entire weekend designed to get plugged in immediately to a small group so that you can have this amazing learning experience in a community where you already feel like you belong and you definitely belong there. So please go to braveenoughconference.com and find out more information. Um, the last two years have sold out months in advance. And so if you want to come get your ticket. I cannot wait to meet you. I can't wait to give you a hug. Please come up to me and tell me that you are the person who submitted this question. Without further ado, let's welcome Abby to the show. Hi, Sasha. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on this show. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. So please tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I study communication, and sometimes when people think of communication, they think just of public speaking, which is definitely part of that. I have done public speaking since high school. I have my bachelor's degree and a master's degree in communication studies, and the job that I do most often, which I love very much, is teaching communication studies at the University of Nebraska-Omaha and also coaching our forensics team there, which is a public speaking and performance competitive team at the university. And so that is kind of my public speaking background. I do a lot of consulting now, and I'm also very moved and inspired by how communication truly shapes us as people and how it affects every part of our life from our relationships, both romantic with our family and friends, but most importantly, that relationship that we have with ourselves. And mm. so I'm a huge fan of your show and I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. Well, that's so
0: cool. So, okay. So I love what you said about that. It really shapes how we communicate with ourselves because it's taken me, you know, 40 years to realize that the most important relation person I talk to every day is myself. Right. Yeah. Um, it's really going to drive how I speak to everyone else is how I speak to myself that day. And so talk to me about, I've heard you say before that communication is a choice, which I think is really interesting because so you and I worked together when I was preparing for my Ted talk and oh my gosh, thank goodness that, you know, God like brought you out of the sky and plopped you into (laughs) my life because um, you gave me such great insight on how to improve my my public speaking skills, but what you really drove home to me was how to find my authentic voice. So, talk to me about that. What do you mean by communication is a choice?
1: Oh, yes. Okay. So, Really thinking about this from a woman's perspective, we are taught, and all people are taught this, but it has more of a negative connotation with women, that communication is something that we just do, right? It's like breathing or getting up and walking around, uh, something that we, if we are able to do so, that we just do and we kind of take for granted. And so we forget that the way that we talk to other people and to ourselves is something that is very shaped and very controlled by our environment. Women, for example, are taught how to speak or more often how not to speak, whether that is don't speak up in a meeting, you know, don't share your idea, make sure that you're not too aggressive, but also don't be too soft-spoken. There are so many extra rules for how women are supposed to communicate. And over the course of time, and we are talking History, right? We're talking how society has taught women how to speak. We've developed this belief, this myth, if you will, that how we communicate just is, right? I'm a woman. This is how I have to talk. This is how I have to speak with myself, with other women, with men in the room, with people who maybe have more power over me, people who have power under me. And what is really empowering is when we realize, oh, wait a minute. Communication and how I talk and present myself and how I talk to myself is a choice that I make. And I can learn skills to improve that communication. And when you realize that, it's so empowering because you can really, if you communicate with yourself differently in a positive way, and if you learn about this self-talk, which I can absolutely expand upon, we really raise ourselves to a new level. We're able to operate in, at such a higher level, both in terms of how we feel inside, right, the relationship we have with ourselves, but then also professionally and personally with the, the version of ourselves that we are putting out to the public. And so when you recognize that how you speak to yourself and to others can change everything about your life it's truly transformational.
0: I love that. I, it's so true because how often, I mean, I just think I I can't even, I I actually can't even imagine how much energy and neurons I have wasted um, Mm -hmm. trying to think about how I'm going to say something in a meeting or trying to think about Okay. Should I interject now? Should I not interject now? And I just, I don't know if men do that or if it's only women. I know women do because I've had conversations with so many women that are like, I wanted to say this after the meeting, you know, it's always after the meeting ends and then all the women, you know, gather and they're like, Oh, I wanted to say this. I had this idea I had. And I'm thinking, why didn't you speak up? But I know I have been there where I'm like, well, maybe now I should say something but maybe I shouldn't. And how should I phrase it? Should I up speak? Should I phrase it like a question, even though it's my own idea and I own it? Like there's so much pressure on us and so many cues I think as women that we are trying to read in a room. And so how, you know, what, what are some tips? Like how, how do we find our voice? Well, you ask a really great question.
1: And before I answer that, I'd like to just give a little bit of context. So research and communication studies identifies different styles of communication that people have. And so since we're talking about specifically how women communicate, uh, I want to talk about kind of this gendered language that we use to talk about communication. So for example, we have a masculine style of communication and a feminine style of communication. And what's interesting is that based on history and social cues, you could probably guess which which is which. So a masculine style of communication is very direct, very straightforward, more assertive, gives very quick details, does not elaborate and sometimes can be perceived as being Rude, right, mm-hmm. and is also more likely to interrupt. The feminine style of communication is the opposite, it's a little bit more passive, it tiptoes a little bit more, asks for more permission to speak, mm. both by asking, May I speak, but also with little phrases that really are asking for permission. For example, I just have an idea to share, right? When you say that phrase, I just have, what you're doing is you're asking for permission to share your idea. And so this feminine style is also more nurturing. It's also more likely to ask others for their their ideas and their contributions and to seek a lot of detail. And I point this out because men are not always masculine communicators and women are not always feminine communicators. There are a lot of your listeners who might say, I'm a strong woman, but I identify as being a masculine communicator. Mm -hmm. And that creates its own set of problems Mm -hmm. for that person, right? Because when they are then in a meeting or a boardroom and they're communicating, if they're speaking in a more direct way, they're probably struggling with a different issue, which is People think that they're being rude and speaking out of turn when, in fact, they're mimicking the exact same behaviors as men in the room. Right. But they're being evaluated so much more harshly for those exact same behaviors that are expected of successful men, right? Right. Right. Then our feminine communicators. Have a different issue. They're more likely to be perceived as passive, and when people are perceived as passive, they're perceived as less competent, less confident, and less able to tackle the task at hand. Which, in fact, they may be the most competent person in the room. But because they have a feminine communication style, they're trying to be more nurturing and they're trying to say what other ideas are in the room and how might we solve this problem. But others might say, well, if you're asking those questions and clearly you're unsure of yourself, which Which may not be the case and probably is not the case at all. And so I share that with you because it creates such an interesting contextual dynamic Mm -hmm. where women don't even fall into the same category of communication styles. So it can be really difficult to figure out how they navigate given their own, their own style and their unique challenge.
0: Right. And I, I think I definitely, uh, I am more of a masculine style communicator. I know that about myself. And I often find women in the room who have a more feminine style of communication. They will ask me to speak for them. (laughs) <laughs> mm, interesting. Yes, and yes. I'm like, but why don't you want to say it? Like, I'm like, why are they, why do they want me to say it? And it's taken me a while to understand that. Like, I think they, that if I say it, it'll probably be heard taken more seriously or heard, not because I'm more important, but just because of the way that I say it, or maybe they think I'm, I'm, but on the other hand, I often get backlash, um, because I do have that, that, direct style of communication. And I do tend to interrupt people more because I myself get interrupted all the time. I, I just interrupt, you know, which, which like, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm just being totally honest. Like I know I do that and I try, but I also know that it's so interesting because if I'm the only woman in the room, I, I, I'm not as strong of a communicator. I don't have that strong masculine style. I do tend to change my style. if Especially if I'm the only woman in the room. Um, I'm really careful about when I speak. Because I feel like, and it's taken me a long time to figure out why this happens to me. But I, I've realized that when I go into a room where I'm the only woman at the table, I have an immense pressure on myself to make sure that what I say is going to deliver, like is going to be helpful and is going to have punch and it's going to be accurate and is going to be powerful. Because to me, I'm thinking of the, the fact that there are no other women here. And if this is like mm-hmm. the woman's option, you know, opportunity where if there's other women in the room, I am, I'm actually more, I'm stronger. Isn't that funny? Because I feel like, okay, Obviously the people who pulled this group together value women's voices mm-hmm. and I'm safe to say something where if I'm the only woman in the room, I'm thinking, gosh, if I say something stupid or if I say something out of turn, or if I say something that's wrong, they're going to be like, Oh, see, why did we invite the woman? So it's like, it's taken me a right. while to understand that that's like an unconscious bias that I'm actually project changing the way I communicate. And I, yes. I, I And it's stressful on me. I'm like, oh, should I speak now? Should I not speak now? Like, you know, so I'm like, so what do you, you know, how do we, I mean, how do you, how would you coach me if I was asking you for help right now? What would you say to me?
1: Well, there are a few things that I would share with you. First of all, I would say that you are showing very clear signs of being a competent communicator, which means that you're adapting to your audience and you are very aware of the fact that you have different expectations in different groups of people. And that awareness is very important because it allows you to think critically and strategically in whatever room you're in to maximize your goal. Okay. And also it allows you to think critically and to reflect upon these situations and understanding, okay, here I feel more empowered to speak when I'm with a group of women. I feel disempowered or marginalized when I'm not with you know, other women as my peers. And so you're already thinking like a competent communicator and that's really important. And so what I would tell first of all to listeners is to when you, so often we feel an emotion and we don't understand what it's tied to. So you might have, someone who's in a very similar situation to you, they find themselves at a table with no other women in the room. They feel silenced. They feel frustrated. Uh, And research also shows that, you know, we we say women are so emotional. Women are so emotional. They're so sad. They can't handle it. Actually, women are more likely to, to display frustration, uh, or, a, or like when they feel that emotion, it's because of frustration, not sadness, right? Or not incompetence. Yes, right. And so you might have somebody who's in this situation and they're feeling frustrated with their meeting and they're feeling like, gosh, I'm really not thriving. So if you can evaluate, the first thing to do is to evaluate what is different in this environment that is making me feel this way? Is it that I don't have people that are similar to me in how we communicate or experience? Uh, is it that I am feeling talked down to or talked over? So the first thing is to understand where you're at. Okay. Uh, the second Second thing is to evaluate the communication style that is valued around you. And so here's this double-edged sword. There's a, so communication is really tough because if we want to be heard, right, we are expected to conform to the communication that is being used around us. And we've known mm-hmm. this for years, right? Certain right. voices are privileged. Right. Certain voices are privileged, and this is a very frustrating concept because what it means is, is that if I want to be heard, then I have to conform to, to that style of communication. And this is absolutely very much enforced socially still today, right? So by privileged, I mean historically speaking, men have been privileged over women and white voices have been privileged over people of color and other mainstream quote, um, privileged voices, right, are the ones that we deem as more valuable. Now, you and I know that this is absolutely not accurate. This is absolutely not true. And it forces people to sometimes or it has historically forced people to swallow part of themselves and say, well, even though I'm a feminine style of communicator, I have to speak in a more masculine way in order to thrive in this environment. Mm. And so, of course, that's very disempowering. Right. And what else right. does it do? It doesn't solve the problem because it continues to reproduce this Environment, And so if we say in order to thrive here, you have to conform, what that does is that it's going to force all of the women that come after us to have to go through the exact same things to, to conform the exact same way. So, uh, a few tips too. So, first of all, we have to understand that that is happening around us. Uh, the second, the third thing, then, once we understand that that's happening around us, is to uplift and elevate voices that go against that current. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's imagine that you are in a meeting with another person, and they start to speak. And they get interrupted by somebody, right? Let's say that we that they say, no, we don't want to hear your idea. And we have this woman who's trying to speak about her ideas. As a bystander, it's very important that we say, oh, one moment, you know, she is finishing her idea. Okay. Oh, I love you that. Might, I love that. Yes. And you might think, well, is that counterproductive? Because is that, like, do we have to speak it for ourselves? Well, we, we can't always. And this is part of what finding your voice is. Finding our voices means that we have this responsibility to help people articulate their thoughts, ideas, and experiences who may not be able to do it on their own for whatever reason, right? For whatever reason that may be. Maybe they don't have the privilege to do it. Maybe they are very introverted. And they really struggle with being themselves around strangers, right? Maybe they have never been in an empowering environment. And so they feel silenced by that. But if you are a person who sees this happening, we have a role, we have a responsibility as a bystander to say, no, let this person finish. And if we are all doing this, pretty soon the norm becomes, we are going to allow this feminine style of communication to thrive. We are going to allow outside or minority voices to thrive. And if you're the person who continues to interrupt, you will pay a social consequence for that. If you don't, you will pay a social consequence because we continue to build and build and build as when, when we continue to build and build the expectations and we're very active in building expectations, we can construct an environment where the expectation is everyone at this table speaks or everyone at this table is heard. And if you're the person preventing that, there's a social consequence. And that might be, yes. And that consequence might be, you're not invited, you know, to play golf, but typically (laughs) that, typically that consequence is actually status based. It's Mm, status. Right. And, and what historically have been prioritized, right? Status.
0: Right. So, so I read just recently, I saw some data and I actually saw, read somewhere that there's an app that you can put in a meeting and see the percentage of time a woman speaks versus a man. Have you seen this at all? No, I haven't. And, and I have a, um, a friend who has done this and she said in her meetings at her workplace, she's a physician. She has found that about 80, 80% of the time men are speaking and 20% of the time women are speaking. And then I saw on Twitter that there was actually like the top movies of the year they listed. And, um, they listed how many times in the movie the, a a woman was speaking versus a man was speaking. And one of the movies was a star is born. And so I thought, well, Mm -hmm. surely this one's going to be like, you know, when you think of a star is born, you think Lady Gaga, right? Yes. It was, she was, she only spoke 30% 30% of the movie. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> Men were speaking. Yes. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So it's so interesting because I've never done that. I've, I have no data to speak of in my own, you know, this is just totally antidotal, but I'm, I'm like, um, it's, it's interesting because I, I can't think of a time that a woman, Like, I I don't know. I just can't think of a time in my own workplace where I was like, can she just be quiet? (laughs) <laughs> normally I'm thinking, can you speak up more? <laughs> you know, Maybe people are thinking that about me. Maybe they're like, can she just be quiet? Can we just make her stop talking? But most, <laughs> but most of the time it's like, I'm trying to think I'm trying to, cause I, I know that maybe there's a woman in the room that has a great idea or she has something I can tell by the look on her face. She has something that she wants to say. And I love how we can, you encourage us to empower each other. And I'm, empower those other voices in the room that aren't privileged. I, I really like that because man, I have a friend of mine who is African-American that told me once, she's like, okay, I was telling her how like, I'm the only woman I have to go to this board meeting. And she said, now imagine being the only minority woman. Oh yes. Like, oh yes, like, oh my gosh, like I can't even imagine that. Like, I already feel like I don't have a voice sometimes. I can't imagine even that feeling more. So it's even more important that we who are privileged and do have a privileged voice speak up and make sure that their stories are are are, you know, heard. I love that you just empowered us to do that. So, okay, I want to ask you. Yes. What do you do when your voice starts to crack because I know so many women, doctors specifically, who tell me like I I that they when they get angry, They're like, we're not crying because we're sad. We're crying because we're like super ticked. (laughs) And I'm like, I get that. And they're like, but then my voice starts to crack because I'm so angry. What do you do when your voice, like when your emotions take over your voice and you feel that coming, like you feel your voice start to crack or you feel like you can't take a breath? Like, what do you do?
1: Oh, it's such a tough question. And it can be very personal for different people, right? Because everyone responds differently in those scenarios. Uh, for me, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I can give is that remember when you're getting angry it is, and you're a doctor. Yes, it is a physiological response. So that means that our heart is racing, right? Our air is pumping through our lungs. Our blood is rushing to our face. It is a physiological response. And the science says The research says if you can get a hold of your physiological response, right, that your – everything else will follow, right? So that that will allow you to speak in a way that you – because you want to be in control of your speech. And so it's really important that we find a way to bring ourselves back to center so that when we do speak, we feel – Yes, I spoke and I'm proud of what I spoke. Now that doesn't mean we can't speak angry. We can if we're angry, right? But it it means that we want to speak angry in a way that is controlled. And so our words are what we want them to be, okay? So the first so we have to get control of our physiological response. The way that I do that the most is literally through taking deep breaths, I will take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And if I have to do that a, a couple of times to control that heart rate and to slow my heart rate back down, that helps me to return to center. Also, I always, 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 if I know that I'm going to be in a tense situation, will have a glass of cold water with me or a bottle of cold water. Mm. And the the cold feeling going into your mouth and going down into your body provides this physiological yes but also a very symbolic cleanse and it t- and it gives you a minute it gives you a minute to breathe if you're in a situation where you can step out of the room so let's imagine that you're in a meeting and somebody says something that gets you very frustrated and they say we're going to come back in 5 minutes go to the bathroom and wash your hands
0: okay that's the, good this the, is good that, this is the, good advice yeah. cold water i thought you were going to say that you always have cold water so you can throw it on the person <laughs> I'm like, oh I'm like, okay, she's not going that direction. Okay. No, no. no. Washing if you can step away
1: and wash your hands. It, it's a couple of things. It's the, the water, right? We associate water with calm, okay? And so the sound of the water, the feel of the water going over your hands, it really does give you a moment to collect yourself and take a breath. And so find a private space. It is more important to do that than it is to seek out someone who's also angry. So if you're mm. sitting in a room and somebody else is also angry with you and you take a break and you go talk to each other, you're going to rile each other up. And then you may not say the words that you actually intend to. To say, And the right. last thing that we want, the last thing we want is for you to respond in a moment of anger that is not the way you want to. Now, if you go wash your hands and you collect yourself and you go back to the room and you're very frustrated, chances are you're going to communicate that in a way that is way more effective. And we also want to put our best self out there. And so when you're sharing your great idea that I know that you have, we want it to be in a way that you're proud Right. So that's why calming down if you can happens a lot. Now, here's another thing I will tell you. Don't, don't, don't any women listening, women. <laughs> it's so easy to apologize. Mm. Yeah. I was just going to ask about that. Yes. To say, I'm sorry. I'm just so upset. No, cut that from your vocabulary. If you are upset, it is okay to be upset. Just collect, just collect yourself so that you know the words that you're saying and then you could say i am frustrated because or i am have, or i have a problem with this because or we need to consider this because and you need to phrase it as an affirmative statement so you want to remove anything that sounds like i'm sorry or i just think or even I think that because other people in the room are not hedging their statements with I think they're not they're saying right. the sky is blue they're not saying right. I think the sky right. is right and yes. women have been taught to do that and so when you feel upset in that moment or if your voice starts to crack. You're, you're going to want to say, I'm sorry, or I just think it's going to come out. It's going to start to form it at your lips and come out of your mouth, swallow it back, take a deep breath, and then just make your statement. No, the data shows this, or let's consider this piece of data, right? Say it deliberately.
0: Okay, I love that. I love that this advice because it's such good advice. I have been telling some of my junior colleagues and some of the women who have been who I coach that don't try to like just own your ideas, own your, own your opinions. That's why you're at the table, right? You're at the table to voice your expertise and your expert opinion or your expert idea. So don't say, well, maybe we can do this, you know, just, just remove that and just say the thing because Mm -hmm. that's why you're there. But I think we, we're so afraid of that backlash and it's real. Like we have all experienced that backlash, you know? Um, it was yep. really funny cuz I just went to a retreat in January or February. And I did not put on this retreat. I just went as a participant. And a lot of people knew me at the retreat and they were all after the retreat was over, I was getting all these text messages and from all these women who knew me know me outside of the retreat area. There were about 40 women there and they were like, "Was everything okay? You were so quiet." And I was like, mm. I was like, "Um, I was actually just like for like I was kind of burned out. And so I, I, I was in a really busy month and I just soaked in everybody. And I was actually loving that I wasn't having to be on stage or giving a talk or running anything. I just soaked in everybody, Mm -hmm. but I was so not myself in my communication style that everybody thought I was in mourning or something. And everybody was concerned about me. And it was so funny because I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is really interesting. They're used to seeing me in charge and running stuff, but I was loving the fact that I didn't have to be in charge. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, so listening to everybody talk and kind of being an introvert, which I'm not an introvert. And it was so interesting how I realized that how I communicate is part of my identity. That's how people identify like, oh, Mm -hmm. Sasha's okay today or Sasha's not okay today. And so it is, it's such an important tool. And I love that you have talked about to us that and told us that we can change it, that we can grow it, that we can improve it, that we can work on it, and that we can speak for others. Like we can empower others when we say, Hey, I think this, that she was getting ready to say something, or I think that he had an idea he was not able to fully express. Like I love that you have given us all these tools. Can I say one more thing? Yes. Or one more tip? Yes because when you were
1: just sharing, I thought of one more tip that is really, really valuable. And it has changed meeting settings for me in the past. And it is, if someone says to you, your idea won't work, then the answer should say, why won't this idea work? And Mm. the reason why is because it switches the burden of proof from you having to defend your idea just somebody else having to explain why it won't work. And research shows that in this particular communication switch, they're more likely to struggle. Your critic is more likely to struggle to explain why it won't work if there's not legitimate reason. And it actually will, they'll advance your argument on your behalf.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. That is so funny because can I tell you that that is what I, I, I don't even know that I was, I didn't know it was called a switch, but I do that when someone says something inappropriate in the workplace. I have, I used to, when someone would say something that was either sexual harassment or completely inappropriate and unprofessional, in front of me, everybody would look at me and all of a sudden what that person said was like on me and I would get red or I would blush or I would whatever. And now I just say, can you repeat that? And instantly that inappropriate comment or inappropriate behavior goes back to the person and they have to defend themselves, which they Mm. 99% of the time will not do. They will apologize. And- I just used to think, why do we take this as women? Like we didn't ask them to say that comment. So we just, I just push it right back to them. It's like, I call it the hot potato. I don't know if, oh <laughs> I love it, you know, I like I'm not taking your sexual harassment today. It's going right back to you. And you're going to have to explain yourself to a room full of people why you just said that or inappropriate. Maybe it's not sexual harassment. Maybe it's just a total, you know, inappropriate comment in, in today's in our, in our environment that you should not be saying. And I just give it right back to the person. I'm like, we don't need to take that because we don't need to process it and then come up with an uncomfortable response. Right. Right. It's you that said it. So you need to explain it. And very, and so I just say, can, can you repeat that? (laughs) So I love this. Like you, so (laughs) if someone says something like, that's not a good idea, we should say, can you explain Yes. Can you explain why that's not a good idea or why isn't that a good idea?
1: Yes. And why wouldn't this work? Another way to do this is, is to say, okay, well, why wouldn't it work to do this? I love that. And then they have to po. then they have to, they have to verbalize why. And as it's coming out of their mouth, sometimes they say, well, all right, I guess maybe it could. You'd be surprised how often that happens.
0: Yes. I love that. I love this. Mm -hmm. This is great. This is helping me too. It's a good negotiation skill as well. It is. So you've given us so many amazing tips and, and teaching today, which is not surprising because this is what you do for your life. (laughs) This is what, well, this is what you are born to do. How can women follow you, find out about you? Um, how can they connect with you?
1: Oh, thank you so much, Sasha. I really appreciate that. Well, I would love to talk to anybody who has any questions. I I, probably the easiest way to reach me is old fashioned email. Hey, I love it. Uh, I love it. I am on social media and people are welcome to track me down on social media. Just my name, Abby Sirik is what I go by. An email is Abby, A-B-B-I-E period, Cyric S is in Sam, Y-R-E-K is in Kelly at gmail.com. And I would be happy to answer any questions or to offer any help to people who may have a
0: follow-up. That is amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing just all of your amazing voice tips and your, and your communication encouragement. And it's so empowering. And I'm just so glad that we had you on the show today.
1: Thank you so much. It was an honor. And I I love your show and I can't wait to continue to listen. I'm a big
0: fan. (laughs) Well, great. Well, thanks for all the listeners who tuned in today. I hope that you learned something I know I did. And as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production.